Hey besties, welcome back to the Sweet and Sarcastic Podcast. Today we'll be overcoming our people-pleasing tendencies by diving into the importance of establishing healthy boundaries in all areas of our lives. We recently learned that there are seven different category types when it comes to setting boundaries, and we're going to be giving examples of how we used each type of boundary to just say no. So let's get into it. So... Taryn. Yes. <laughs> why why do you think setting boundaries is so hard for a lot of people? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but for me personally, I am a hardcore people pleaser. So setting boundaries is definitely super hard for me. Um, there is a quote that I have typed out in front of me here that I The first time I read it, it was like a massive gut punch to the people pleaser in me. So I'm going to read it for you. It says, when you're not used to being confident, confidence feels like arrogance. When you're used to being passive, assertiveness feels like aggression. When you're not used to getting your needs met, prioritizing yourself feels selfish. Your comfort zone is not a good benchmark. I need to take a deep breath after (laughs) that one because so true though, especially for those of us that are people pleasers, like confidence feels like arrogance. I feel like I was kind of leaning towards that in our conversation the other night when I was like, hey, I think that was my insecurity. I think I was feeling like my assertiveness was the aggression, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you're used to being soft spoken, asserting yourself comes across as being aggressive. Absolutely. And then, you know, when you're not used to get the last part of this is when you're not used to getting your needs met, prioritizing yourself feels selfish. And boy, oh boy, do I <laughs> struggle with that one. That's definitely you right now (laughs) yes I um as we are recording today I have had kind of a rough start I'm not gonna lie uh last night was kind of rough for me there I had an anxiety moment um and it kind of carried over into this morning and so we spent probably the first like hour just trying to like sort through my brain so that I was able to actually record today. Yeah, I did my best to distract her, but that did not help. I mean, it did to an extent. I think, I think what I needed was just to say everything out loud because up until that point, everything that I kind of like word vomited on you was just like exclusively living in my brain. I hadn't actually vocalized any of it yet. Yeah. So I think it helped just like, while I was talking, she was literally curling her hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which makes me sound like a terrible person. Like I wasn't listening to her, but I was. That's where I was about to, that's where I was headed. Like, Yeah, she was sitting there curling her hair, but it was less about feedback and more about just having someone to just talk to because like I, I just, I just needed to get it out in the open. And you know, the fact she was listening enough, like, yeah, she was, she was curling her hair, but like she was listening and like, you know, between taking pieces out of her mouth, (laughs) you know, she'd she'd kind of interject and say like, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, quite a few times she was like, I think you just need to like breathe and like chill out. And I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But boundaries are, are hard for me. Um, So in this episode, we're going to try to touch on what do healthy boundaries even look like? And this article that we found on positivepsychology.com says healthy boundaries can be broken down into seven different categories. 
And the first one is one that we have shared an experience of mental boundary setting that we agreed would nourish our friendship even from miles away. Yes. So like she said, um, the first of the seven categories is mental boundaries. Um, We will link the article for you guys in the description, but we're going to kind of go through all of them right now real quick. Um, So the first one is mental boundaries. And the article defines that as the freedom to have your own values and opinions. So the example that they used is, I respect your opinion, although I do not agree. And I'm going to bring it back to our previous episode, if you guys listened to that one. Um, Mm -hmm. We talked about how Taryn and I had had a disagreement where it came to a mental philosophy on life. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas we did not agree that phases meant the same thing for the word phases did not mean the same thing for us yeah and we had to basically agree to disagree that was a mental boundary that we had to draw with each other and you know just be like hey we are we are not agreeing on this topic so we're just gonna agree that we both see it differently and that's okay yeah which is hard for a lot of people absolutely i think even we we talked about this more in the the last episode but even just between the two of us we do have a very respectful tone with each other and i'd say we're pretty good about communicating For the most part. Um, So even with someone that you're like comfortable with, setting mental boundaries is still hard. Especially sometimes even within, you know, people that you're close to. I feel like people have this misconception that setting boundaries is people away. And that is not the case. Boundaries are meant to preserve the important relationships to you not push them away i mean personally i think that the phrase i respect your opinion although i do not agree i think that that is probably the best way to not end an argument but like de-escalate any situation be like you know what Mm -hmm. I understand that that is how you see things, but I see them differently and that's okay. Yeah. We can just walk away from this. It does not need to get any more heated than it might already be or whatever. But that is the biggest thing that you could say to someone to ultimately also relay that you have respect for that person enough that you can say that. Because the other person might not be there yet. Mm-hmm. So, like, honestly, I feel like people hesitate a lot in that situation in a heated moment because they're like, oh, well, if they're acting like this, well, then they're not mature enough to hear this. Oh, no. You can't decide that for them. Mm-hmm. Like, stop hesitating and just grow up. Be the bigger person. Just say it. Yeah. Like, people, I feel like a lot of people are ashamed or feel weird like out of their skin weird speaking that way, but that's like, it sounds almost old fashioned, Mm -hmm. but it's necessary to have a respectful relationship with whatever person. Yeah. And going back to what you said a little bit ago, you said that, um, it's a good way to de-escalate a situation so that it doesn't get out of hand, then that kind of ties into what I was saying about, you know, yes, setting these boundaries are hard, but it is necessary, like, to keep your relationship because ultimately what deciding to disagree does for your friendship, relationship, whatever you're, whatever you're applying it to, what that does is it 
saves you from becoming disrespectful. It saves that tension from building further and it saves you from saying something you might regret. Absolutely. That would actually damage the friendship. Mm -hmm. So the next one that we're going to talk about is an emotional boundary. The article says, how emotionally available are you to others? And the example they give is as much as I want to support you right now, I do not have the emotional capacity. So I don't know. I feel like, so I get overstimulated super easily. And now I didn't like, I didn't used to be like this. I feel like It's just kind of how my personality has developed over time where I just get super emotionally stimulated, like overstimulated. And my go-to for the longest time, which I have realized is not the healthiest way for me to cope with this, is like shutting down. Mm -hmm. Which is not, it's, it's, it's like my social battery almost, like... I shut down so that I can't help other people because I push myself past my breaking point. And I just, or like, I'll just make up in my head, like I'll just make a decision in my head if someone says something that I don't like. Like if I'm stuck in a situation with a group of people and someone says something that I don't agree with and I can't really get out of there right then and there, I will shut down because I want to avoid the conflict. And Mm -hmm. they like, they'll be trying to have a conversation with me. I'm like, I cannot support your, I don't have the emotional capacity support to support this conversation. I don't have the emotional capacity to be around you right now because I am so overstimulated by, you know, maybe some, or triggered by something you said, or, you know, all of the other conversations going on around me. Like I just can't, I can't separate myself enough. I can't decompartmentalize enough to mm-hmm. continue on. Something you said yesterday when we were planning this episode was um, that sometimes certain relationships are like extra draining yeah. for you. And I think that in this area particularly like it kind of shows the importance of drawing that emotional boundary so that you don't get drained um what was you you used an example yesterday something about a gas tank that I really really liked the way you said it right yes I was talking about how like basically like I am a car and let's say I'm in that group of people and I'm talking to these people and I like person number one comes up to me starts driving the car having a conversation with me and I'm like okay that drains my battery a little bit and then the next person that I hang out with talks more drives the car more drains my battery a little bit more or gas tank or whatever like until all of the gas is gone and I haven't been able to stop at the gas station to refill myself to mm-hmm. like re-energize myself and like once that tank is gone it's gone you're like it's a it's you're pushing it home like I'm not there yeah I love I love that visual it kind of goes along with that saying like you can't pour from an empty cup yeah and I don't know I just I really love the way that you worded that and it it drives home the importance of setting this emotional boundary so that your tank doesn't reach empty. Right. And I think it's also super important to recognize when someone is at their capacity and being respectful about maybe their needs mm-hmm. versus like, I, I guess I just have people in my, I have certain people in my life where they are antagonists and they like see you down and they just keep going and they do not even recognize the signs that you've Mm -hmm. had enough. Right. Like the jokes aren't funny anymore. Yes, absolutely. That's something that I struggle with a lot because I've always been like that go-to person when people in my life are having issues. And um, like we said already, I am a people pleaser. So it is really, really hard for me sometimes to be like, hey, 
I'm dealing with my own stuff right now. I really can't help you with this. And, you know, going back to what you were just saying about, you know, other people not being able to recognize when you're reaching that limit, it, that's when drawing this boundary becomes even more important because some people honestly are just dense. Well, also, (laughs) also. On the flip side, it is not other people's responsibility to tiptoe tiptoe around us. Now, I recognize that, but it if you think that you have any type of respect for someone, you should be able to recognize when they're not themselves and when maybe they need some time to take a step back from right. whatever situation is going on. Maybe they need to go outside and take a walk or have some water like you know just they need a moment yeah like just little social breaks Mm -hmm. from a situation right but sometimes you do find yourself in conversations with people who truly are just dense yeah and like can't see past their own nose yeah um so that's in those situations that's when like setting this hard like you have to become your own advocate yeah You have to be able to say, like, look, I value this relationship. I I value this conversation. I understand that, you know, this is something you want to talk to me about. And I would love to continue this conversation with you at a later date. I am not currently in a position to handle this conversation right now. Yeah. Um, And then what they choose to do with that is on them. Your job is to stand up for yourself and communicate that boundary. Once that boundary has been put in place, whether or not they choose to respect it is on them. And if they choose to keep pressing the matter, that's when you walk away. And trust me, I know that is easier said than done because again, hi, I'm a people pleaser and, you know, walking away feels rude, but avoid your gas tank hitting that empty sometimes that's the lengths you have to go to. So the next one is material boundaries. Uh, The article defines this as monetary decisions, giving or lending to others. And then their example is, I already lent you money last week, so not again right now. Well, we're going to point out that it says like giving or lending to others like doesn't necessarily mean a monetary value like a material item giving or lending um Mm -hmm. personally i feel like i'm the type of person like if you needed money like and i had it to give to you like i probably would depending on our relationship i just have a really like fluid view on money i think that money is I like I've been in a position where I've had none and I've had a steady income like I've been in both positions where I get it you know but when it comes to my clothes we're gonna bring it back Mm -hmm. to the fact that I shared a room with both of my sisters for 11 years Mm -hmm. one room two three girls 11 years (laughs) No, unless I know where that article of clothing is going, who it's going to be with, how late it's going to be out. (laughs) These are the things I need to know if you're going to borrow my clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. feel like I'm the, I would like to think that I'm the type of person where I'm pretty lenient with lending people things within Mm -hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. it's that within reason part where the yes. boundary comes in that's like within reason like like i said mm-hmm. depending on our relationship what it is like how much of it it is like if you need a cup of sugar i've got you mm-hmm. but like maybe not because i don't put sugar in my coffee so <laughs> I, I like just realized that i'm like that's probably not the best and now we do not ask me for sugar because i probably don't have it i have crap what do i have uh <laughs> I have water. I have water. 
I have water. I've got like two cookies. You can't have them. They're mine. <laughs> See, so that's a boundary. Exactly. That's, you you can have, I have plenty of water. I only have two cookies. That's the boundary. You can't have my cookies, but you can have some of my water. Yeah. I am intrinsically a very giving person, uh, sometimes to a fault. Um, but this isn't one that I really have like a solid boundary set. Um, you gave the example of sharing a room with your sisters. That's yeah. probably the closest thing that I can think of too, because I shared a room with my, now in your situation, you were the younger sister. Yeah. In my situation, I am the oldest sister. Um, and there's a six year difference between me and my sister, but, and then we have another younger sister who between me and her, there's a 14 year difference. Um, so when the time when the three of us shared a room, it was, I was like 17 or I was like 16. My other sister was 10 and my other sister was like four. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, it was quite the, like, age gap. But even, like, within that, um, I, my little sister um, would, like, and I guess, I mean, we were sisters, so we both did it, but, like, we'd use something of the others. Oh, that was like, forbidden. It, <laughs> yeah. <It was> always, <laughs> like like hairbrushes would be misplaced or um like things got hair ties and yeah that kind of stuff and while i never minded like sharing the thing like it's that's okay it's when things go missing and then don't get put back where they belong I, like that was always my thing. I was like, if you want to use this, like, that's fine. But just put it back where you got it. Yeah, if things, <laughs> went, if things went missing, things got violent. I don't know that we ever got violent, but we definitely um, got into some, like, yelling battles. That's for sure. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, that, that boundary is always, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to set because you don't want to feel like you're being stingy or like you're trying to like hoard everything for yourself. You know, we're taught from a young age that, you know, sharing is caring, but there is a limit. There's a limit to how much you can share. Again, it goes back to that idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. If I have 10 hair ties and I need one to tie back my hair, but I give all 10 of them away, then what am I going to do? exactly like mm -hmm. it, it's okay to still look out for yourself Absolutely. and it's it's crazy that we have to like not us particularly but like it's crazy that the world still needs to be taught that it's okay to take care of yourself like how sad is that but it's a reality mm -hmm. so the next one on our list here is internal boundaries the article defines an internal boundary as self-regulation energy expended on yourself versus others. And their example was, I have been social all week. I need the weekend to myself. Now, there, it is no secret that I love staying home. We've addressed this, but like... <laughs> so there's a, there's a song that I've been listening to that I've been listening to forever and seriously the amount of time it took me to remember which song it was in my <laughs> rotation of songs that i listen to daily i was like what the fuck is it um but it's called i don't take pictures anymore by brooke alex shout out love that song and one of the lines is uh no one else could stay out dancing long as i did now i'd rather stay home and hope i don't get invited i was like wow that couldn't be more me because I now I was not one to be invited to I was not part of the popular crowd I was not invited to parties I did not go out dancing I've been to a club a total of three times maybe but like I, I quickly realized that is not what I like I would so much rather hope that I do not get invited out to something like that because boy does my body not feel like it's 27 
<laughs> like, <laughs> I mm. would so much rather stay home and hope I don't get invited out by anyone. Like, I'd rather you come over, let me cook, or we can do like a fun little like stay in night where we do food and drinks and like games and movies and like I'd so much rather do that to me that's so much more of a quality interaction than going out personally that's just my personal opinion but also I choose not to go out when I do get invited I do weigh the option like if I get invited depending on what it is I might go out but if it's like past a certain time that's a boundary that I set for myself like if it's past seven o'clock I'm not going out I'm not doing it because mm-hmm. I know that I don't handle it well when I'm out of the house that like past that time, like going out mm-hmm. initially, like if I'm out past seven and I'm already out before seven o'clock, that's different. But mm-hmm. like, if the sun, if it's like pitch black out, I want to be at home. Right. Because I can't do the social battery when it's like pitch black out. That just doesn't vibe with me. Mm-hmm. That's something you're very much a sunshine girly. Like you, you need, you need the sun in your life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> the sky's awake, so we have to play. Awake, so I'm awake. <laughs> exactly. That is absolutely me, a thousand percent. Like mm-hmm. I also take. I have medicine that I take at a certain time like I take allergy medicine and melatonin at seven o'clock every night like there is a routine that I stick to that I owe myself mm-hmm. because I know that it helps me take care of my body it helps me get the sleep that I need it helps me maintain some sort of regularity in my daily schedule you know mm-hmm. that's the boundary that I set for myself so when now it very rarely ever happens anymore because I've been saying no but like when people do invite me out I do set that boundary and I'm like I'm sorry but I'm not going out past this time if you want to change it that's fine but you don't have to like I'm cool with it Mm -hmm. either way yeah for me um I took a little bit different approach to this one um self-regulation for me looks more like like I've said before everybody in my life tends to come to me when they have problems and like when they need help. And it is really, really hard for me to say no, (laughs) because I never want anyone to feel like um, their problems are insignificant or like, I never want to make light of somebody else's struggle. And for the longest time, like in my brain, I felt like if I told them, I'm sorry, but I don't have time to help you with this right now. Or like, if I need to take time for myself, that that's being selfish and that they're, you know, like they're like in my brain, I'm thinking they're inconvenienced enough because they're stressed about this thing. And now here I am saying like, sorry, go figure it out on your own because I can't help you right now. Yeah. And the most recent example I have of that was actually with you. What? Um, yes. A couple of weeks ago when I said um, we, we were trying to like divvy up the like podcasting like responsibilities space because okay first off just in case you guys didn't know podcasting is freaking hard okay there are a lot of moving parts a little bit yeah to this and um we were just we were having it took us a while to kind of like find our flow of like okay I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do that and like just to kind of find that groove and there was a point where um you were, there was something you were trying to do and you were getting really frustrated with it. And like you, you kept saying you needed like me to like kind of walk you through it step by step. And like there for the first, I'd say week, I tried to do that, but then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I love you very much, but I can't keep helping you to this. Like, I I still want to help you with it. Absolutely. Like, I don't want you to feel like you're by yourself. But I need to take a step back because it's affecting my life in other areas. Like I wasn't 
able to spend as much time with my family as I wanted. I wasn't able to clean my house to the degree that I wanted because I was spending more time helping you with that thing. So that was a boundary that I had to like self-regulate and be like, all right, I, and I knew like, this was an an example too of me like being like that scared little like baby squirrel, I think is what you said in the last episode. But, and when (laughs) when you brought it up to me, what did I say to you? You were like, no, I know. (laughs) You you literally said that. You were like, no, I know. I need to like, just do it. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm glad that you see that because I felt really, really, really bad like bringing it up. (laughs) Kind of like earlier when I was curling my hair while you were like having an anxiety attack and I was like, I'm really (laughs) sorry. It seems like I'm not listening, but I am. And you were like, I know that you need something to do with your hand. You can't just sit there and listen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I needed something to do with my hands. Yeah. And that's a form of self-regulation for you too. Yeah. Is being like you, you stopped and you made sure you were like, Hey, it's not that I'm not listening. I just literally can't sit still. Yeah. But like, my point was that I felt really, really bad, just like you did. But I was like, you understood. And I understood where I was Mm -hmm. like, I needed to just do it. And you were like, I get it. This is what healthy communication looks like, folks. Yes. This is how you (laughs) communicate your boundaries. And yes. Sometimes you're going to be that shy, timid baby squirrel, but your relationship will be so much better for it. I think after you've communicated that boundary, I think the biggest thing is like how people react. Absolutely. To the boundary being set. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if you are on the receiving end, that's something we need to address. If you're on the receiving end of someone setting a boundary with you, dude. If you respond with hostility, you're the problem. Yes. You're a real fucking problem. Like, yeah, that's toxic. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. if somebody's trying to set, like, a clear boundary with you, best advice I can give you is, like, if you're standing up or if you're not standing up, whatever. Stand up if you're not already standing and physically take one step back. Because sometimes your body needs, like, the motion with the thought process but that's like the best way I can tell you to do it is literally physically take a step back be silent for a second and think about what they just said to you yeah why they said it to you what could have caused Mm -hmm. them to say it to you or you can even ask them be like can you explain this to me please yeah be when that kind of that kind of leads into the next uh category too which is conversational and it says topics that you do and do not feel comfortable discussing. And then their example was, I would rather not be a part of this conversation. Yeah. Like, honestly, like I said, that is the healthiest way to properly set and receive a boundary. When uncomfortable topics come up, like usually... Personally, I try to gear the conversation elsewhere or I try to come out and say something like, hey, I don't think I'm super comfortable talking about this. Like, be confident in talking about your needs, like verbalizing your needs. Mm -hmm. Get comfortable with it because I really do think that is the best way to approach that type of situation instead of pushing them and disrespecting their choice to not talk about an uncomfortable topic for them. Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, they're setting a boundary. And they're saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not comfortable talking about this. And you're receiving that boundary. Take a step back and just say no. Just stop. Just, like, they're saying no, and you just need to stop. You need to listen to what they're saying to you. Yeah. And if you're on the opposite end of that and someone's, you know, you, if, if you say, hey, I really don't want to talk about this anymore and they keep pushing, that's when you're the one that needs to take a step back and like just walk away. Like just you don't need to escalate a situation. Like if you feel like tension rising, just 
the second you start feel like start feeling the tension rising that is the perfect like don't even think to yourself oh but i need a good stopping point no that is the stopping point <laughs> that is I'm the so stopping point that because oh, when God. you start feeling the tension i don't care if they're in the middle of a sentence stop look yeah, around I am and so notice guilty of that like stop just like pause look around at what's happening take everything in understand the situation for what is actually happening right now like i said yeah. like brief pause freeze <clears throat> yeah you know like brief <laughs> pause freeze analyze the situation figure out a good action to take from that point on do you think you're okay continuing the conversation or do you need to take a break that's a clear boundary that should already be in place in any relationship and any friendship any you know mother-daughter relationship mother like what whatever any social interaction any social really. interaction that should be an immediate baseline mm -hmm. is you get to say brief pause analyze the situation if it's if you know you're feeling that tension and figure out peacefully where you want to go from there yes together mm -hmm. Not leaving yeah. the other person out and saying, nope, we're done. You can't right. shut them out. That's not how it works. It's a conversation. Absolutely. For me, I'm I'm kind of an open book. So, like, there really aren't a lot of topics that I'm not comfortable talking about. My issue is more, like, how you're saying what you're saying. It's not about the topic itself. It's about how you present it. You know, there's no need for you to curse at me to get your, like if we're having like a, a debate, oh, you know, yeah. like this, this one specifically applies a lot to like politics or like current events oh, yeah. kinds of topics. Just respectfully like, agree to disagree. Absolutely. Like there is no need for you to curse at me to get your point across. You don't need to raise your voice. You don't need to belittle, belittle me. Like I, I'm open to have a respectful conversation about this with you. Like, quite honestly, I, politics make me nervous, but I also kind of enjoy talking about these, but it has to be in the right setting. Yeah. Like, I enjoy getting to know other people's points of view. I enjoy listening to how other people perceive things because I think it's kind of intriguing to see how you know, you can have the same topic and have different differing opinions on them. And I personally feel like that's the best way to like, learn about the world is to just listen to other people's perspectives. I agree. But the issue I have is when people start getting rude about it. Ooh, it's yeah. when people start like, throwing it in your face or like trying to be like, Oh my God, like making you feel like you are less than for having the opinion that you have. You like, know, how how can you think that way? That is so wrong. Or that is so like, like to demonize other people. Like don't do that. Yeah. Truthfully, I was just thinking about this. And do you know how I said to you the other day, I was like, I really enjoy the way, like I used to teach and I was like, I really enjoy like seeing the way their minds work, like the little kids and stuff. And the way you were just talking about that, it just made me just picture adult like baby tantrums <laughs> yes that's what it is like Absolutely. i honestly the next time you start ripping someone a new asshole i want you to picture yourself as a toddler doing that because that's what you look like <laughs> yes absolutely and honestly where we see it more nowadays is not even in like this national boundaries applies more than just like physically being in a room talking to somebody because where we see these kinds of tantrums quite frequently is on social media. Oh, yeah. Like, the comment fights on, like, you can post, like, a completely innocent video of, like, you doing something. Like, I see it. Now, I'm a mom, so I see it a lot in, like, um, mom groups or, like, you know, the mom kind of, like, communities. Yeah. Somebody will post a cute video of their kid doing something or saying something, but maybe someone notices that their kid is eating like cheese curls yeah wow and it has nothing to do with what the video was that they actually posted right oh yeah of course but someone in the comments 
will hop on there and be like, oh my God, I can't believe you let your kids eat cheese curls. Those are like basically like poison. You're feeding your child toxicity and you know, that's child abuse. And like the comments like blow up and mothers specifically like attack each other. They're vicious sometimes. Like I, I just like, I don't get it. Like, especially like with moms in particular, like you would think we'd be more supportive of each other because it is hard. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know. I do not have my own children, but I see how I, I mean, I used to teach them. Like I, I taught for nine years. I understand the stress at least a little. Yeah. But this could go to anything. I just use, you know, ragey comments on mom videos yeah. as an example but like you see it in social media all over the place and so Whether. you know this is a boundary that you can set on social media too and honestly i take it a step further like if you notice someone you're following or like an account that you're following and you're noticing that person continually being like a comment warrior mm-hmm. a keyboard warrior is that what the term is i don't know um where basically where they like go into the comments and they're just constantly like tearing everything down. There is a block button for a reason. Yeah, I've been having some fun with that button. <laughs> like, honestly, I wholeheartedly believe that social media is not all bad. There are corners of the internet that are really awesome and really empowering. And I think that's something you and I are striving to do through this podcast is to be, you know, a positive force on the internet Um, because they're, they're hard to find, but once you do find it, like the algorithms can work in your favor. You know, the more you start to unfollow the negative Nancy's and start to follow the ones that are like empowering and supporting, you know, each other, then all of a sudden you'll find social media can actually be a healthy place for you to scroll and find inspiration and make true friendships. And, you know, it can be a great place, but you have to set those boundaries. Yeah. So the next one is um, physical boundaries. And the article says this is privacy, personal space, and your body. And their example is, I prefer not to hug people I don't know. Oh, I love this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have developed some super fun privacy, personal space, body issues. Not issues. Boundaries. boundaries. Correct. Boundaries. (laughs) Um, I've just become a lot more uncomfortable with even the thought of not having my privacy, not having their personal space and not having like, like if someone's just too close to me and they're like, just like slightly touching me, like that's unnecessary. Back mm-hmm. away, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly was never like that. Like you knew, you knew me back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Like, have I ever been the person who like, no, you, you used to be like, you'd go and sit on somebody's lap and not think twice about it. I was brave. I was brave back then. <laughs> That's what I was. <laughs> I, I think after being in a domestic violence situation where it, now for those of you who don't know, I was in a domestic violence situation and I was not living near my family at the time, so I was pretty alone except for one very supportive person in my life, Um, you know who you are, Um, Mm -hmm. who got me safely home, Um, but what had happened was inevitably he had, the guy that I was with ended up breaking my left arm in two places and my eighth and ninth rib on my left side, and I think... During the course of that whole healing process, I really pulled back a lot. And I've had to set some very fun new boundaries with people that I was once very comfortable with. Um, One of my friends that doesn't live near me, um, she came and spent the night at my house and she wanted to sleep in my bed. And I was like, I built like a little pillow fort. Someone that I've known probably just 
the same amount of time that I've known you. And mm-hmm. I had built a, like a little pillow for it because I could not have someone else touching me. Like it didn't matter who it was. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be touched. And like, especially mm-hmm. in my bed, that's my space. That's my, like when you're playing tag, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, this is my base. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, I like that analogy. I was like, this is a base <laughs> for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, your safe place. This my, and you, my you've favorite. talked a lot about how your bedroom in particular is like your safe haven. It really, really is because it's everything. I mean, I'm still doing things to it. I'm still <laughs> decorating it a little bit, but it's, it's everything that I ever wanted from a childhood bedroom, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. but I, so after all of this had happened to me, I've had to put up some serious boundaries with physical privacy where I've put the time in to make my space comfortable enough that I feel safe in here. Yeah. Because for a very long time, even now, sometimes I still don't feel safe. That person is no longer in my life and they never will be again. And, but I still struggle with feeling safe. So meeting new people for me at this point in my life, it's really hard for me to explain like and I you know I don't need to explain why I need my you know privacy and personal space my boundaries but like it's hard for me to reset the boundaries with every person that I meet because it's a boundary that needs to be verbalized be like hey Mm -hmm. could you please back up a couple you know a couple steps so that I have a little more space because I feel like I can't breathe Mm-hmm. And then later, they just don't understand. They're very confused. But again, it's a, all about how you respond to it. You know? Yeah. It reminds me of, um, well, well, two things came to mind. Number one, there's an episode of Bluey. Oh, my God. <laughs> where there is, hear me out. There's an episode of Bluey, Bluey where there's this one kid who they call him a space invader. Because he gets like super, super close when he talks to people and it makes everyone around him uncomfortable. And I think, and and like this kid, he doesn't understand why everybody keeps running away from him. Yeah. Until Bluey actually tells him, well, it's because you're a space invader. It's because you stand too close when you talk to people. And that's, you know, an example of now, obviously Bluey is about like small children. They're like six-year-olds. But still, it's um, important to teach that for kids that have anxiety mm-hmm. like that at a young age. Yeah, Mine is, like, trauma-induced, but, like, right. people, some kids are born with that type of anxiety where mm-hmm. they need that space. So I think it's good that they're teaching kids at such a young age that yes. space is important. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other one that came to mind was, it's a lot of Disney references, but yeah. was... Um, the meme uh, from Lilo and Stitch where Stitch oh. has like his hand out and he's like not quite touching Lilo and he's like, I'm not touching you. That's such a sibling and, thing to do. <laughs> I know, but it is it is another example of that like that needing to set that physical boundary. Like it doesn't necessarily have to mean actually physical contact. Yeah. You know, every everybody has their own kind of comfort zone, their own like bubble, personal bubble, I think is a, a term that's used a lot. Yeah. And, you know, every person's personal bubble will have a different radius. Yeah. So like true. your bubble is very large. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Whereas for me, I am a very physical person. <laughs> um Physical touch is my number two love language. If you know, um, if you've heard of the five love languages, physical touch is my number two. So um, more often than not, I'm on the receiving end of this boundary being set. Um, Very specifically with my husband, we have talked a lot about him on this show. You guys know he's like my whole heart. But there are moments where he has had to like tell me like look I love you but I I am not in I think even just a couple of days ago he had had a really rough day at work and I had also had a really rough day here at home and for me 
when I have a hard day, all I want to do is snuggle and cuddle. But for him, when he has a hard day, he like just needs time to decompress and he, he needs his space. So even before he didn't even make it home yet, he texted me on his way home from work and he was like, hey, I love you, but I am really not in a lovey-dovey, cuddly mood. And it's that that is an example of him having to set that boundary with me because he knows me well enough to know that because I had also had a bad day, I was going to want cuddles. Yeah. But he had to set that physical boundary with me because he had also had a bad day and he was not in a place to give me those cuddles, basically. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was, you know, he... I, I texted him back and I was like, no, that's okay. I kind of expected, you know, since you also had a rough day, I kind of expected that I was going to need to kind of self-regulate tonight. So what ended up happening is he got home and we had dinner, we got the kids to bed and then we were sitting on the couch. And because like he, he gave me a hug and a kiss as soon as he walked in. And then we did not have any like physical contact kind of for the rest of the evening until after the kids had gone to bed. And then because I gave him that time, he actually had time to like kind of process things. We, we talked about our respective days and then we put on something to watch on TV and he kind of sat back and he like put his arms out and like did that little like come here motion with his, with his hands, you know, like, yeah, um, he kind of did that. And I just kind of stopped and looked at him and I was like, I thought you didn't, I thought, I thought you weren't like in the mood for it. And he was like, yeah, but I've had time to calm down now. So come here. Cause I know you need it. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> like you don't gotta tell me twice. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one where I'm usually the one receiving that boundary. I, I there are very few instances that I can think of where I've had to be like, no, don't touch me. Um, honestly, the most often because I'm a mom, I get sometimes I get overstimulated with my kids. It's not that I don't want to love and hug and cuddle my kids, but like my five-year-old in particular, like he'll say he wants to cuddle, but cuddling to him. It's wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. It looks more like uh, mommy is a jungle gym. (laughs) And every time. Yes. He's like, some some days. (laughs) Yes. Like he is literally like doing somersaults over me and some days I can handle it. And some days, particularly the past couple of days, you know, mommy's been a little overstimulated. Yeah. If, if he could just sit still and like lay on my side, that's one thing. But it's it's the fidgeting and the rolling around and he wants to just like leave his legs. Like last night he had, he was sitting next to me and he had his feet kind of like resting against my leg and that was fine. But it was, he kept fidgeting. So he'd take his feet off and then he'd put his feet back on. And just not even, it's not even like he was kicking me. He wasn't being hostile. But it it was just that overstimulation of being touched and then not. And then again, and then not. Just that on and off. Like, I could not do it. Yeah. I was like, dude, you got to pick a spot and stay there. Because I'm getting really frustrated. Yeah. I love the way he approaches it, though. Because I've seen him do it. Because he'll... Her, like we'll be FaceTiming and he'll be like mommy I want I just want to lay with you and then yeah. you, you 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 are true to you and you melt and you're like yeah of course even though you know damn well what's know. coming you know it's I coming know. and then he like goes from zero to Super Bowl in like 20 seconds where he's like he starts off slow he's smart he like works his way up to it and then he starts Mm -hmm. getting uncomfortable and he starts wiggling around and then yeah and then as soon as he starts to wiggle you're like nope you're done get down (laughs) and then he starts to whine he's like but i want cuddles and i'm like dude your version of cuddles is not the same as my (laughs) version of cuddles (laughs) like i love you so much like you have a level of aggressive cuddles that i can't handle like I can't do this right now dude and he has inconvenient timing too but yeah but and that's that's I mean that's a whole nother topic too is trying to set boundaries with kids in particular because they're they're little they don't they don't fully understand why mommy can't cuddle right now yeah you know 
Yeah. And on the flip side too, it is hard for kids to communicate their own boundaries because they don't necessarily fully understand that they even need the boundary to be set. Well, they don't really. So a lot of the times when kids are getting like upset, it's because there is some, their body internally knows what that boundary is, but kids in particular lack the conversational skills to fully express what that boundary is. Like all they know is like the example that I, and it goes with this, the physical is, um, you know, sometimes if you go to like a family gathering where there's like aunts and uncles and cousins that you haven't seen in forever, small kids might not even remember who they are. So when people are like, oh, come here, give me a hug. Like some kids are going to be like, no, because <laughs> I don't know you. And we should ask and a lot of the time them to do that. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of the times, like the adults around them are like, oh, that's your aunt so-and-so. Like, just go give her a hug. No. And these kids, like, don't understand. They, they don't understand. They feel wildly uncomfortable and unsafe because why Why do I have to hug this person that I don't even remember ever meeting, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really important, like, if you notice, like, and sometimes kids are too afraid to say that. Like, they're not going to say, no, I don't want to hug you because my oldest in particular is... <laughs> me <laughs> yeah basically and um like all he's only seven but already I see it in him he has that same people pleasing he has such a big heart he is such a kind and caring person and he never wants to like hurt anybody's feelings so if somebody wants a hug but he doesn't want a hug nine times out of ten he's going to sacrifice his own uncomfortability and give that person a hug, even though he doesn't want to. Yeah. And it's not even just with people they don't know. Like, I see it all the time between my two boys. Nine times out of ten, my youngest will be talking to my oldest and he'll be like, hey, I want to cuddle or, hey, I want to play or, you know, this, that, and the other. And my oldest, he starts off strong. He starts off like, well, no, I really don't want to do that right now. And then the younger one starts to whine and cry and get upset. And my older one a lot caves because he doesn't want to see his little brother upset. So trying to teach your kids how to recognize what their own boundaries are and then set boundaries with the people in their lives and then also teaching them to respect other people's boundaries is really hard because they don't always fully understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. They don't really, un they, it's like they are smart enough, but they're not quite there yet to under, to fully understand what boundaries are and why we mm -hmm. have them. Right. The last one we have here is time. And the article defines that as how much time you spend with someone doing something. And then their example is, I can only stay for 30 minutes. Yes. This has been such an important one for me over the last few years. Learning to trust the way that I feel in a situation or how I feel before a situation like going back to my tank being empty, like my social battery, I am trying to, like, I'm trying to keep checking in with myself so that I can properly gauge how much time I think I can handle with a social interaction. Yeah. For me, it's, this is another one that's really hard for me to communicate because I never want people to feel like they're an inconvenience to me or like I don't want to hang out with them, but also I have anxiety. <laughs> so sometimes when I'm in a social interaction and it's taking longer than I expected it to, and this is like when I'm physically at someone's place or like if I'm on the phone with somebody and the conversation has lasted longer than I thought it would. 
I start to like internally spiral and panic over all of the other things that I needed to get done. But now I feel like I can't go do those things because if I, if I stop this social interaction, I being rude. I feel like you oftentimes need to give yourself permission. Yeah. And I'm not really good about it's, it's funny you said that actually, because this is something I literally just said to my husband last night was that right now I feel like I cannot trust myself to make good decisions because, you know, a few episodes ago we talked about um, I was hypomanic and kind of just like extra like happy and, and, you know, like just super high energy. Yeah. But now that hypomania is worn off and I'm starting to settle more into like the depressive side of bipolar. So I feel like I can't trust my intuition right now because depression lies. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before I feel like it's that decision-making paralysis. I feel like I can't trust myself to make good choices. So I was telling him last night, I felt like I needed to ask his permission before I did anything. Because I, it's less about feeling like I needed granted permission. And it's more about needing to kind of check in with somebody else and be like, hey, I was thinking about doing this thing. Does that sound like a logical thing to do? Or am I being irrational because my brain hates me? Okay, but I'm <laughs> going to call you out here for a second because the next step after that is to actually listen to what the person says. Yeah, I argue with myself. So You argue with me much. too. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's not just you. I do it with like... And that's what I say. Like, I can't trust my own brain right now. I know, but that's why because you just listen like to people the are person. telling me things. People are telling me things, and it's like I'm hearing. I'm hearing what you're saying, and the logical part of my brain agrees, but the depressive side of my brain twists your words, and like finds every reason why what you just said is wrong, or why that doesn't apply to me, or why. If I do what you're saying, that means I'm weak and I'm less than. But, like the logical side of me knows better. But but <laughs> but if you trusted that person enough to ask them, you should trust them enough to just take the step to take their advice and do what they say to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Ouch. Yes, I do. I need to. Hold on, I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you trust me enough to give you advice, because you don't trust yourself, but if you trust me enough, you have to, you're kind of obligated to do it at that point. I mean, because, <laughs> like, then what's the point? Like, why are you asking me if mm-hmm. you don't think I'm going to be able to help you? But if you trust me to help you, why are you not doing what I told you to do? Sorry, I'm I'm literally writing it down. No, no, I believe you. I'm just like, that's kind of my whole thing is, that's why I don't ask for help very often because I don't trust people. <laughs> okay, so what I wrote, I kind of paraphrased what you said, but I said, if you trust someone enough to ask their advice, then you need to trust in their response. Facts. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's on a sticky note. (laughs) (laughs) Because I found that, like, and here's the other thing, though. Because, yes, you need to trust their response. But, like, also, why are you trusting someone else over yourself? You need to learn how to trust yourself. You need to learn how to combat that voice. But this is just mm -hmm. the step in the process of getting there. Yeah, we, we've, we've talked about why I feel like I can't trust myself yeah. because, you know, my brain is literally lying to me right now and the logical side of me knows that. Yes. So I need to stop because like when you have those two different voices in your head, sometimes it's hard to distinguish which is which. Correct. Because the depression is really, really good at twisting thoughts 
to make it sound logical. Absolutely. But see, <laughs> if what the person, so you ask a person, let's say you ask me for advice. And like you said, like what I said matches up with the logical side of your brain. So then logically, that's, that's two against one. To. That's, yes. that's two uh, against one. You yes. lose. I lose. No, depression loses. Exactly. Depression loses. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, uh, I needed this. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I need a second because I, it's been a struggle the past couple of days, you know. Yeah. So I definitely um, needed that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this episode, I feel like we've covered a lot. I definitely have had quite a few points really hit home for me. Um, and I hope those of you listening were able to take something away from this episode too. Uh, if you listened this far, thank you so, so much. We hope this one leaves you feeling empowered to go set your own boundaries because everyone deserves to feel safe and respected. And make sure to turn on your listening ears next week when we talk about the importance of understanding communication because that is super important in boundary setting in life. Like it's just important mm -hmm. all around. Yeah. Tune in next week. Bye besties. Bye besties. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Sweet and Sarcastic. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and follow us on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcast. To get even more of your new online besties, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet and Sarcastic Podcast. In the meantime, we can't wait to meet you right back here next Monday at midnight.